Hey everyone, welcome to the Frontline Community Church Podcast. My name is Jared, and I'm the group's resident here at Frontline in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Our mission is simple, to see zero people unchanged by Jesus. And so whether you've been following Jesus your whole life or your journey has just begun, we hope that this message will help you draw near to the person of Jesus, be challenged and encouraged by his word, and be moved to action. We hope these next few moments are a blessing to you and equip you to see who God really is and who you are in him. Wow, what a great morning already. Uh, well, welcome. It's good to see all of you. If you, just like Janice said, this is your first time uh, or first time back in a while. Uh, regardless, it's good to see all of you. It's good to have you here in person and join in and watch online. My name's David, and uh, I'm the lead pastor here at Frontline. And I love this church. I love even just what Janice said, that, that we're, we're one tiny little part of something that is going on all around the globe and has been going on since the dawn of creation. Uh, that we get to join in all of creation, all people, all churches, and just worship God together. So I just, I love that. It's fun to be a part of that. Uh, I'm excited to jump in today. We have, uh, this is part two of a series that we're, we're in right now leading up to Christmas. Uh, and it's called Spirit of Christmas because the Holy Spirit plays a really significant role in the Christmas story that's really easy for us to overlook. So there's four different interactions and special encounters with angels in the Christmas story that we're going to dive in. But before I do that, before I do any of that, I want to ask you a question. And the question goes like this. Have you ever felt like God asked you to do something that you didn't actually want to do? Same thing for a service, nervous laughter. Uh, I have a lot of these stories. Uh, in fact, when I first decided to follow Jesus, I was a freshman in college, and uh, all of this was kind of new to me. I grew up in church. My dad was a pastor, but actually following Jesus, having a relationship with him that translates into how I make decisions in my life, that was brand new. I had never done that before. And so I started praying this prayer, and the prayer, it was young and dumb. Uh, and here's why, I'll tell you in a second why I was young and dumb. The prayer that I would pray was this, God, I will say whatever it is that you want me to say. And I will do whatever it is you want me to do. I will give whatever it is you want me to give. And then I will go wherever it is you want me to go. Here's why I was young and dumb. I assumed that what I wanted to do was the same that God wanted me to do. Nervous laughter again. You know, right, if you've ever prayed that prayer, if you've ever made yourself available to God Almighty, right, the, the, the ruler of all of creation, if you've made yourself available and you said, God, I'll say and I'll do and I'll give and I'll go wherever it is you want me to go, isn't it true that oftentimes the answer or the response or the thing that you feel like the Holy Spirit is leading you to is something you do not actually want to do? Anybody else? Or is that just David's whole life story? I remember uh, after I was praying this prayer, I was praying it over and over and over, and I had this opportunity. So I was looking for a job over the summer, and I had this really unique, uh, I had four unique opportunities. So the first one was to go to Chicago and work with a missions organization downtown Chicago, and that one excited me. I'm from Chicago, so the idea of being there, seeing a totally different part of the city, that was attractive, but that was just one of the options. The next option was to go out to Los Angeles, and I was like, definitely looking more attractive than the first option. Right? Especially when you grow up somewhere to go somewhere else, that seemed fun. So I was like, Los Angeles could be cool. Another one was San Francisco. So I'm like, we're, we're getting better. Like, this is great. These three options. And the fourth option was the worst one of all of them. It, it was, uh, I had to sign on the dotted line. If I got the privilege of getting honored or, or getting offered this job, I had to agree that I will go wherever it is they send me and do whatever it is they ask me to do. But I can't know it ahead of time. Have you ever heard of a job like that in your life? I hadn't. 
but it was, it was uncomfortably familiar and congruent with the prayer that I had just been praying for a couple months. God, I'll say what you want me to say. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll give what you want me to give and I'll go where you want me to go. Opportunities kept coming up over and over and over to say things I really didn't want to say. Maybe it was sharing, maybe it was confessing, maybe it was to do something that I didn't want to do, go out of my way, contribute something or offer something, give something that I didn't want to do. And then this one was my big one. It was to go someplace I had no idea where God was leading me. Well, here's the thing. I felt like that was the one that God wanted me to take. I prayed about it. I invited some friends into it, into that discernment process. And it was like, yep, this is the one you're supposed to do. So I I looked at the list of locations that I could be sent. And I went, well, this ain't half that bad. I mean, I can go to places like Jamaica and Belize and Costa Rica. They have some places on the West Coast. They have some places on the East Coast. I was like, this sounds awesome. There's one place on that whole list that I didn't want to go. God and I had a deal. God, don't send me to New Mexico because that's the middle of nowhere. It's the desert. I don't do well with hot. I mean, I sweat on a good day, so I don't send me there. No rattlesnakes, no scorpions, none of that. I remember a month later after I had said yes, I got the email and where do you think I got to go? New Mexico. It's a congratulations. We're so excited for you. You get to go to the Navajo reservation. And I went, God miscommunicated something to you all because I'm not supposed to go to the one place I didn't want to go on this entire list. And here's the thing. I wish I could tell you, man, it was the best summer of my life. And it was amazing and incredible. It wasn't. It, It was really hard. It was a really hard summer. We were two and a half and three hours away. We had two different locations from anything. 45 minutes away was the closest gas station. So you would drive for hours and hours and hours in the middle of the nowhere. And I remember wrestling saying, God, why did you bring me to the middle of the desert? For what? To do what? What what I had in mind, what I had dreamed, what I had saw as a picture of what obedience actually looks like to God was totally different than the reality that I found myself living in. And what God did that summer was important. It was significant. In fact, looking back, it was one of the most significant moments and seasons of my entire life, but I couldn't see it or I couldn't appreciate it and I couldn't value it when I was there. And even today, it's hard looking back and going, oh yeah, I loved that because I didn't. My wife has asked me since we've been married, I want to go out west on vacation. And I went, no, God made me go there. I ain't going back. Has following God, has being obedient to God ever led you to a place you didn't think you'd be? Or to do something you didn't feel like God was going to ask you to do? To say something you never wanted to say? Or to give something that you didn't want to give? The character we're talking about today uh, in our story, I told you there's four different encounters with angels in the Christmas story. Last week we talked about Zechariah and Elizabeth. Well, today we're, we're talking about Elizabeth's niece. Her, her name is, well, I should say it this way. Her, her name is Mary, but she was engaged to Joseph. That's the connection. So we're going to talk about Joseph today. And Joseph was a man who understood obedience. But I want to have a moment of silence for Joseph because the guy had no idea what he signed up for in the Christmas story. 
And if you know part of Joseph's life and part of his story, I mean, he, he agrees to get engaged, right? He, he, he's a blue-collar worker. He works with his hands. He's good with wood. So he, he was maybe like a furniture maker or like a cabinet maker. You know, maybe he was a house framer. Like he, he was a carpenter. That was his role. That was his job. And so he, he worked hard, and he probably came from a great family, and that great family had a great relationship with Mary's family. And so the two parents probably got together and said, you two are going to be a couple. It's an arranged marriage. This is how it went. This is how it was in those times. And so Joseph, being a good man, was like, yep, sure, I'm going to do what my parents asked me to do. I'm a faithful guy. I'm a steady guy. I'm a hard worker. So Joseph has everything going for him, and he, he gets to be engaged to Mary in this long process, and then this is how the story unfolds. So we'll read it together. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to, there's our friend, Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Moment of silence for Joseph. What? I mean, put yourself in his shoes. He's a real guy with real feelings, real emotions, real questions. The girl he's engaged to is pregnant, not by his doing, according to this, pregnant through the Holy Spirit, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. What do we learn about Joseph just in these first couple verses? He's a good man, isn't he? I mean, here's a guy that finds himself in a situation of, I, I didn't choose this. I didn't cause this. What are people going to think about me? They're going to think I, I did this. The text says he was faithful. He's a faithful man. Faithful to the word of God, faithful to his local church, faithful to his family, faithful to his bride-to-be, and yet, man, all the questions probably start rolling in, don't they? Especially from people all around. Joseph says, I, I'm not going to shame her. I'm not going to guilt her. I'm not going to make her look bad. I'm not going to make her family look bad. I'm not going to make my family look bad. In fact, what I'm going to do, he, he took matters into his own hands and he resolved in his mind, I'm just going to divorce her and I'm going to do it super quietly. So as to not throw shame or disgrace or to, I'm just going to, I'm going to bail on this plan. And here's what happens. The story continues. <clears throat> but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. And said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. You could see it. I mean, he's questioning it. You're going, what? That can't be. And he has this dream. And the angel of God speaks to him and says, don't be afraid to do it. What she's saying is true. Don't be afraid to take her home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel. Which means God with us. The Holy Spirit enters the story in a pretty profound way. Doesn't it? The Holy Spirit shows up, and I'll, I'll bet if Joseph was praying, I will say and do and give and go wherever it is you call me to go, I will bet what just happened did not cross his mind. I mean, think about it. If you think your in-laws need explaining, think about Joseph. Joseph's going, my wife is pregnant, but not by me or anyone, but the Holy Spirit. 
And then you go a layer deeper and they go, isn't your, your aunt pregnant or her aunt? Mary's aunt, Elizabeth, was who we talked about last week, who was probably in her 60s or 70s by the time she got pregnant. And the, the story got around too that they know, oh, this is also from God. That's your family? And Joseph's going, yep. I had no idea. Joseph's in a hard spot, isn't he? I mean, just humanize him. He's in a hard spot. He didn't know what he signed up for. He didn't know what was playing out. And God invited him to what we now see, what we look back on thousands of years later as the most significant story ever told. Joseph is right there at the beginning. And here's what I think is hilarious. We don't almost hear anything from Joseph ever again after this moment. I feel like he just went, I'm done, God, please, please let me play the shadows. Let me play behind the scenes. No more. I'll do whatever it is that you say. It's hard being obedient, isn't it? Here's, here's what the text said if we close this part out. Matthew 1, verse 24, it says, When Joseph woke up, he did exactly what the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took Mary home as his, as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. The word commanded jumps off the page for me. It wasn't a suggestion. It wasn't advice. When the Holy Spirit spoke in the dream, in a powerful and significant way to Joseph that was confirmed in Scripture, even by the way that they talked about or talked to him, Joseph, son of David. I mean, everything in his spirit probably just resonated in that moment going, the, the son of David. David was like his great, 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 great grandpa. He was part of his legal lineage. And David, as David sat on the throne, one of the prophecies that God gave David was there will be a ruler that sits on the throne of David forever. He will rule all nations, all peoples. Everybody will know that his kingdom lasts forever. It was a prophecy about Jesus when the angel shows up. The angel calls him Joseph, son of David. Hear the invitation? Significance. I'm inviting you in. I want you to be obedient. And Joseph was a man of obedience who did what the Holy Spirit asked him to do. He didn't question. He didn't delay. He just did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. It's a story like this that just, it makes me conflicted inside. I don't know about you. Maybe it's fun for you just to read the story and just go, man, it's just cool and see God's way of moving and, and how he brought different people and different pieces and fulfilled all these different prophecies. That's, that's fun. For me, it leaves me in a place of feeling really conflicted because I desire to hear from God in a powerful and supernatural way like Joseph experienced, like in the dream. Joseph had a dream, and what we'll see here in just a couple minutes, Joseph had dream after dream after dream after dream, and it kept being from the Holy Spirit. I desire that. Man, I want to hear from God like that. I hope someday people look at, back at me and they go, man, that, that guy walked with God. Just, you can't deny it. Like the closest, like when, when the Holy Spirit speaks, I want that to be my reputation. But, but here's the opposite. When God spoke, it was not anything Joseph had on mind or anything he wanted to do. And I think the same is true today. So many of us desperately desire God to speak. We want to be known as people who walk with God, who, who are used by God in a powerful and a significant way. But often what God asks us to do is the opposite of what we actually want to do. And it creates this tension that we just have to live in in the middle of going, do, do I want to hear from God and obey? Or do I want to do my own thing and always wonder what I missed out on?
I always wonder what it, what it could have been, what role I could have played, what God could have done if I had been obedient. It creates tension, doesn't it? If I think about my own life, uh, I was scrolling through social media a couple weeks ago. I stumbled upon this video that just grabbed me. It was a pastor. I mean, he was just preaching a message like this. And, and it was this tiny little clip. And he said, uh, how many of you feel like you're just in like a dry season? Feel like maybe, maybe God's far away or you haven't heard from God or you haven't heard him speak. Or you, or you say, man, I, I'd, I'd like to have a dream. Or maybe, maybe in the past I had a dream that I felt like was from God. Or somebody spoke something or prayed something over me. Or I read a passage of scripture maybe even years ago and I went, that's significant. I know that's significant. I know that's for me. And I know God is moving and speaking. How many of you, when you look back, you go, I had that moment. But then, man, it's been a long time. He said, if that's you, if you're in that season... Wondering, does God have anything for me? Does God still speak to me? He said, I asked them the question, what's the last thing God asked you to do? And I had to stop. Because I went, well, that's sort of what I feel like right now. You You know, I come in Saturday nights and pray and, you know, putting messages together. I mean, prayer and and time with God. I mean, all, all of these things are significant components of my week, but there's a difference when I feel like I'm in alignment and walking in step with the Holy Spirit and then seasons where I'm saying, are, are you there? Are you? You just feel far. That, that was the season that I was feeling probably six weeks ago, and I, and I heard it, and, and this pastor said he asked his congregation, or he asked people, what's the last thing that God asked you to do? And if people can name it, he then asked, did, they, did, did you do it? Did you do it? So it made me think. And I went, okay, if I look backwards, what's the last thing I felt like God asked me to do? And I, I, this is weird, and I, I don't really want to, I don't like advertising this, but like there, there's a group of people in my life uh, that are causing some havoc. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes you're related to them. You catch my drift. <laughs> there's people in my life that are hurting me or my family right now. There's people in my life that are taking things from me right now. There's people in my life that are, that are creating a lot of problems and headaches and issues for me. I, I'm pretty upset at this pretty small group of people. And I was on the phone with who I would consider one of the most significant spiritual mentors I've ever had in my entire life. His name is Ted. I've told you about Ted. And I'm on the phone with him and I'm describing, he's just going, tell me about life and how are you doing and what's going on? And I'm describing this group and these people and what, the things that they're taking in this, this place of injustice I find myself in and frustration and anger and hurt and all. And I let him in and, and he says this thing and I could feel it. It was like God was preparing me to hear what he was about to say. And I went, oh boy. And he said, I, I just have this strong sense that God is asking you to pray for these people. And I went, I think he's asking you to pray for these people. I don't think he's asking me to pray for these people because they drive me nuts. He laughed, of course, but he goes, David, I'm being honest with you. I just feel it so deep in my spirit that I feel like God is asking you to pray for each one of them individually to bless them, to give them the desires of their heart. You know how anti that is from what I want to do? Spoken as your pastor. (laughs) And I looked back, like, how long has it been that I felt like I've been in this kind of dry season? And it traced back to that conversation. What's the last thing God asked you to do? Did you do it? 
Does something come to mind? Does your heart gravitate towards something and you go, oh, it's that, but it, it's, it was small. I mean, mine, mine feels silly. That's part of why I didn't want to share it. It's like, it's so small and it's so insignificant and none of you would ever know if I didn't say anything. God cares about not just the big things and the big acts of obedience, but the small things, the hidden things, the private things, the personal things. We often want God to move and, and to do things externally when God is saying, no, 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 I'm asking you to be obedient so that I can do something internally inside of you to draw you closer to me, to do something inside of you that you couldn't do for yourself. He invites us in and it's hard and it's painful and it's confusing and frustrating, and yet the invitation stands. So if I said it differently, like this whole message, uh, it goes like this. Faith in God is demonstrated by obedience to God. The thing that jumps out at me about Joseph is he was a man of faith. God told him to do something, and then he did it, but his faith was evidenced by. It was demonstrated by his obedience. Who's your faith in? Is it you? Is it somebody else? Is it a boss or a spouse? A parent? A grandparent? The government? The church? Who's your faith? Faith in God is evidence of obedience. It's evidenced by, it's shown, it's demonstrated, it's proven by obedience to God. If we keep reading and you look at Joseph, here's how the story continues. Matthew 2, verse 13 says, When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt, I called my son. What I love about Joseph and what jumps off the page at me is he is a man, not just of obedience, but of swift obedience. Where's the delay? I mean, again, put yourself in Joseph's shoes. He has a dream and God says, now, get up, take the baby, take Mary, and go. There's not even a, can you wake her up? You want me to wake her up? He's finally sleeping. He's your kid. Now, he wakes up Mary. He wakes up the baby. They pack up their stuff and they go. Just a few verses later, here's the next thing that happens. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother and he went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus, or however you say it, was reigning in Judea in the place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. Notice he was warned again in a dream. When God speaks, this guy responds. And he acts, and he obeys, and he leads his family to do the same thing. And he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So what was fulfilled? So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. You see the connection to scripture? 
See how rooted it is in the Bible and in the prophecies that were foretold hundreds and thousands of years earlier. Joseph's obedience aligned him perfectly with the story that God was scripting, and it was for you and for me. Joseph was a man of obedience, swift obedience. He doesn't question. He doesn't falter. He doesn't talk back. He doesn't delay. He simply responds. He's obedient. Obedience is so important to a relationship with Jesus. So important. It's why the last thing Jesus said to his disciples before he ascended into heaven is he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to, say it with me, obey all that I have commanded you. And surely I will be with you to the end of the age. The last thing Jesus says to a group of his disciples, probably 120 of them, up on a mountaintop, Jesus said, this is so important. I want you to hear this. I want you to understand, as you make disciples, disciples are marked by their obedience to me. And he had just told them, but don't, don't leave where you're at until the Holy Spirit comes. That's your gift. That's what you need. That's what gives you the power and the courage and the ability to respond in the way that God is calling you to respond, to be obedient to him. Stay where you are until that Holy Spirit shows up. But as you go out and as you meet people, as you invite people to Christmas services, as you invite them to church, as you have conversations in your workplace, as you talk about faith with your family or with your kids, as you do that, it is in the lane of obedience to God. In the small things, in the mid-sized things, in the big things, in the individual things, in the private things, and in the group and collective things, and in the public things. Whatever it is, what God is after is a people that will be obedient to him. That's what he wants. Think about the man that God chose to parent his own son. I just, I marvel at this whole story because God chose a father figure for Jesus. And he chose Joseph, a man who was obedient, a man who modeled following the prompting of the Holy Spirit, a man who obeyed immediately without question and always led his family to do the same thing. Well, Jesus, Jesus grows up at age 33. The Holy Spirit leads Jesus to the place where he's about to be betrayed. And Jesus is in the garden and he's sweating blood because he's so nervous and he's so overwhelmed. And he's looking at what is in front of him, which, which is the cross. But the cross wasn't even the worst part. The worst part was the transaction that was about to take place. Jesus's life of perfect obedience traded for our lives collectively, all of us who have ever lived on the face of the earth our collective disobedience. Jesus says there's about to be a trade that takes place and he's asking, he's saying, God, if there's any other way, I'll do it. Please, Lord, but I will submit to you. I will do what it is that you ask me to do. And scripture tells us Jesus was obedient even to the point of death on a cross. And that's why. He was obedient so that he could pay for the sins of our disobedience of the gap, 
of the brokenness that exists between us and God. When God says something in his word, I don't want you to do this. And then we do that when we sin. Jesus says, I've paid for that on the cross. When God invites us into a story or he invites us into a relationship or he invites us into something else, when we say, I'm not ready yet. I don't want to do that yet. When we delay our obedience, it is the same as disobedience. Jesus paid for that on the cross. What he's asking of you is to trust him, to put your faith in him as the savior of the world, as your savior, as your king, as your helper, as your friend, as your father. God is inviting us through the power of the Holy Spirit to obey him. Maybe this isn't the message you thought you were gonna hear today. I think it's definitely the message that we all need to hear today if we're going to consider ourselves followers of Jesus. Whoever it is that you invite to Christmas services, what they're going to hear is that Jesus is Lord. He's the Savior. But he's also our King. And our job is to, to give our lives to the one who already gave his lives, his life for us. To follow him, to submit to him, to obey, because God is still writing his story, the plan of salvation for every dark and broken and evil and wicked corner of the earth. And he's invited us to play a role in that. So as I close, let me ask you this question. What is the Holy Spirit asking you to do? We're gonna carve out some time to pray in just a second. I want you to ask God that. God, what is it that you're asking me to do? For some of you, uh, it might be to pray for somebody that hurt you, just like me. For some of you, it might be to stay put, even though you just wanna move. You just wanna move on, or you wanna get out, or you wanna change it up. For some of you, God is just saying, no, 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 I just want you to stay put. For others, all you wanna do is stay put. And God is saying, no, 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 I wanna move you. I'm going to move you over here. I'm calling you. I'm inviting you to follow me over here. For others of you, maybe it's to give something that God's put on your heart to give. And you go, no, it's so hard to let go of that thing, God, or that amount. And God said, I I want you to trust me. I want you to obey me. For others, maybe it's to do something that he's impressed on your heart years ago. Maybe it's to go back to somebody with the relationship's broken. Maybe you've wronged somebody in the past and God's inviting you. Maybe it's 40 years ago. And God's saying, no, I'm I'm inviting you back. Let's go resolve that. For some of you, maybe it's just saying you're sorry. I just want you to say that. I want you to say you're sorry. I want you to own it. With no expectation, what is it that the Holy Spirit is inviting you to do? We're going to carve out some time to do that, to ask him, What is it, God, that you want us to do? But the most important question is not that one. The most important question you'll have to answer is this. Will you do it? For your sake? For the sake of your marriage? For the sake of your family? For the sake of your community? Or your workplace? Or your church? Or the kingdom of God? Will you do it? Let's just keep this posture right here that we're in. To say, God, I'm waiting on you. 
want to know what you have to say. And I'm going to resolve right now. I want to be obedient to you. Just show me what it is right now in this time of prayer as we go into this next moment. So would you pray with me? God, we just come before you right now. And uh, God, this hits us all in different ways right now. Some of us know exactly what it is that you are stirring in our hearts to be obedient to you for. Some of us know exactly what it is that that we need to say yes to. Uh, We just don't want to. Others of us, God, we, we don't know. We feel close to you. We, we've been obedient to you. We followed. We've done what you've asked us to do. But, but maybe we're still in that moment of silence where we're waiting and wondering, God, what is it? What is, what is next? God, we, we know that obedience to you does not mean everything gets better. But we know obedience to you translates into alignment with you, and that's what we're after. So if there's nothing right now, God, I, I pray that you would give us something. Give us something that you would like us to do. Show us a person or, or reveal their face or give us a word or, or point us to scripture or, or stir in our hearts to serve in a different capacity or to give something that maybe feels dangerous to give. God, whatever it is, we want to make ourselves available to you as your church. We're not your employees. We know that, God. We're your kids. And so I just pray that as a child trusts their loving parent, I pray that we would trust you to lead us, to guide us, and to give us the courage to do what it is you're asking us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope this message encouraged you in seeing who God is and who you are in him. If you want to take a next step, visit frontlinegr.com next. We look forward to connecting with you there, and we'll see you back here next week.